Today's scripture comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, we are now in part 10 of our series, and welcome back, college students. I know you, you've probably missed most of the other parts, but um, we're, we're in a series on identity that God has adopted us into his family, and through the redemptive work of Jesus, that he would call himself not just God, our judge, our creator, but he would be our father. And that's our identity, our identity is to be sons and daughters of the true and living God. And we're in, the, in this latter portion of the series, what we're talking about is what does it look like? What is it like? What does it mean to live this out, being uh, this identity as a son and daughter um, through Jesus? And last week I gave you, you know, we went through the same passage last week, and I gave this very important message about the difference between living out of the flesh, which Paul calls you know, identity built on me, like the way I like to put it, it's, it's Susang in Susang. It's you in you. Versus, it's an identity built on yourself versus Susang in Christ. You in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? That is, and then of the Holy Spirit building this fruit out of you. And so we talked about that last week. The works and desires of the flesh. That's me and me. That identity. Or that is the fruit. That is this, this life that's coming out like fruit of the, of, uh, the Holy Spirit which we could summarize all those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all, the whole list really could be summed up in this one word, holiness. That's what I talked about last week. Today, I want to talk to you about, we're going to look at the same passage, but we didn't really talk about these particular verses. And it's a very, one very important application of this battle of identity that's going on inside of the, the, the battle of the flesh, or where we live in the Holy power by the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ. And that is um, the battle of pride. That's what we're going to talk about today. 
Um, this is the way it, it was said in, in verse 26, that last verse. Um, it's, it's kind of a it's strange, sometimes the way Paul writes, you know, he says all this like wonderful stuff, and then he throws this, you know, word in there that seems like a little out of place. Um, verse 26 says, let us not become conceited, <laughs> there's pride, provoking one another or envying one another, because that's what comes out of this. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, it's one of the big obstacles, and it's, at the center, it's right at the center of the fight. And so in three parts, part one, ego and biting one another. That's part one. Ego and biting one. That's the way Paul puts it. Well, don't bite each other, right? Part two, relationships as the acid tests of holiness, all right? So last week we talked about this great gift of God. So there's really one, if there's all these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, so forth, but when you put it all together, it's called holiness. And how do you know if you're growing in holiness? Actually, you don't do it by checking yourself out. You don't look into yourself. That's not how you do it. The way you do it is you look at your relationships. Relationships as the acid test of real holiness. And then part three, your identity and the well of your soul. So we want to talk about how we're going to get to this, uh, this growing in relationships through holiness. Identity and the well of your soul. So part one, ego and um, biting one another. Um, let me start with a little story. Um, a number of years ago, many of you may know that I, I, I worked on a PhD in systematic theology. And I, I know that sounds very fancy. But what that basically means is you go to a school, um, and you know it's a PhD program, so obviously people are very bright. And most of your classes have a, only a small number of people. They're like seminars. And you're going to read books by guys from 1,000 years ago or 500 years ago, some of the most brilliant and difficult books. And sometimes, and we don't only read the, the, the good guys, sometimes we read bad theology and bad philosophy. And it's sometimes it's, it's difficult stuff. So, but typically you walk in a room and there's like maybe seven or eight guys. It's usually guys. They're every now and then, they're, 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 um, at least at the school I was going to, there's, there's only a handful of women at, at, this, at the PhD program. But... Um, but it's usually guys, and you go into this room, and then you know there's a professor, and you read this really hard book, and then you're going to discuss this, and it's, it's, it's pretty interactive. And this is what it's like. You walk into the room, and you size up all the other guys. <laughs> At least this is what I do anyway. Size up all the other guys. And um, th- their, their glory is not obvious. This isn't like if you're at Wall Street and the guy who walks in with the, the most expensive suit, you just know, okay, that's the, that's the guy, okay? <laughs> it's not like if you walk onto a football team and the guy who runs down the field like as fastest and he can leap, you know, he, he can leap four feet in the air and grab a football with one hand and you go, whoa, that's, okay, that's the guy. In, in this world, you know, the, it's not about how fancy you dress. It's not how high you can jump or how fast you can run. It's, it's about how smart you are. Okay? It's your intelligence, and it has to come out of your mouth. And, um, and there's another part of it. It's also about how deep you are. This is theology. <laughs> so it's not even just about how smart you are. That, that can work in like physics or something like this. Okay? But this is theology. It's also about how deep you are. And I remember this day walking in the room, and you know, there's like seven or other guys there. And, um, and, and I know the professor likes me. And, um, and I, so I feel good about myself. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys. You know, like I'm one of the, the players, okay? And, um, and the, the discussion got going for the first 20 minutes or so. 
And um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a talkative and outgoing person, so I'm, I'm not afraid to stick my opinions out there. And, and it's going good. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm putting smart stuff out there. You know, I'm helping this discussion go forward, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a player. I'm out there, right? And then there's this guy who um, I thought, I thought by the way he looked that he was like the like the weakest link in the room, okay? <laughs> I thought he was kind of a little bit short. He was a little pudgy, and he had this buzz haircut. And I mean, we're theology people, and so nobody's dressed nicely, but this guy was dressed even a little dumpier than everybody else, okay? And so I thought this guy was sort of like the dumbest guy, the weakest link in the room, and he challenged something I said in the discussion, and, um, and he said something that I had never thought of before. I mean... In all my reading, and I thought I'm so smart, I'd never considered this, and I can feel him breaking down my idea. <laughs> and, um, and then the discussion started swinging toward what he was saying, and I started having this, I was like, I think this guy's smarter than me. <laughs> and, and this is even worse, I think he's deeper than me. <laughs> Maybe he knows something of the depths of God that I never even touched. <laughs> and... Um, can you guys relate? You ever had anything like this happen to you before? <laughs> um, of course, you know, this, this, ha- this kind of thing happens all the time, actually. I mean, if it's never happened to you, you're either super oblivious <laughs> or, or you're just awesome. So probably you're oblivious, <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay? And, um, but th- th- I'm just giving you, I mean, this has happened to me many times. I'm just giving you one particularly point. I mean, it was so memorable to me. It like just stuck in my crawl, <laughs> just like it's stuck in my crawl. So I mean, for the rest of the, uh, you know, it's like a two-hour seminar. For the rest of the two-hour seminar, I was totally off my game. I just, 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 I'm just, I'm kind of angry and unhappy that this guy was smarter than me. The guy who looks dumb, or I thought he looked dumb, was smarter than me and deeper than me. And oh, this is crazier too. He's humbler than me. <laughs> and so I'm not even happy that he's humbler than me. How do you like that? And you guys know what this is like. You know, you, you're, 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 you go out for you know, a sports team, and you, you size up all the rest of the guys on the team, and you're like, I'm the number four player on a 15-person team. I'm the number four guy. And the coach looks at me and he's like, because clearly he's the star, and then, and then like, I'm four. I'm better than five through, five through 15, right? And the coach calls me in and like, you're the fourth best. Go out there. We need you. And then... Some other guy gets added to the team, and you realize he is starting to displace you as number four. Now you're number five. I mean, that's still a pretty important player on the team, but you're now number five. It's like, and envy starts to like come in. And, and you ladies, you, you know, come on, I can't, I've been talking more like a guy. Ladies, you know what it's like. You walk into the room, and. <gasps> Oh my goodness, that that woman has the same dress as me. And horror, she looks better in it than I do. <laughs> All right? Or you walk into the room and you, you, you're happy at this new haircut that you got and it, looks, it makes you look really good and you walk in and someone else at work has the same haircut. She got this, and guess what? She looks a little better than you at it. And you know that feeling? And, um, and this is... This is life. <laughs> this is life, isn't it? And this, this, this feelings and all this nasty stuff that comes out, 
that the, the, there's a term for it, and it's called pride. Um, there's a, if, we, if I go back to verse 15, this is what it says. So I, I kind of consider verse 15, I gave you verse 13 and 26. 15 and 26 are sort of like bookends, and then there's all this beautiful stuff in the middle about the fruit of the Spirit and holiness and, and, and kind of the nasty stuff of flesh. But verse 15 puts it this way. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And if you live in the flesh, so this is the way Paul put the flesh, the, the, the uh, metaphor means something like this, the way I like to put it is, you're treating yourself like you're a lump of meat. It's all on you. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no of God, there's no presence of God giving you a new self and a new identity. So yourself, you're just like a lump of meat. It's you, your brain. Your, and if you're building your own identity, then guess what? Of course you're going to build your identity on something that you think is cool about you. I mean, who's going to be like, well, I'm kind of lazy and all I like to do is just stuff my face and, you know, I'm getting, allowing myself to just kind of let myself. Who's going to build your identity on that? Okay? You're going to build, it's like, if you think you're smart, you know, so like, this is kind of cutting to my, like, my ego and identity, because like, I'm, I'm a smart guy, and I'm like, deep. I'm not just smart, I'm deep, right? And this guy is like, this other guy, you know, he's, he's showing he's better. And, you know, if, if I'm really deep, I should just be happy. <laughs> I'm needing somebody deeper than me, but instead, it's like, it's, it's, because this is what identity, when you build your identity on it, it this is the fleshly identity, it's just a lump of meat, and it's got, you've got to build your own little glory. And when somebody else comes along and challenges your glory, it's about you, or maybe they, they challenge it, or they actually say, you know, whatever, they actually say something to you, then what do we do? Well, I mean, I didn't literally go up and bite that guy. <laughs> but for the next two hours inside of me, I might as well have, spiritually inside, I'm like, I want to bite him. Because he just took my identity and down a notch because this was all fleshly. So think about this. I'm a holy Christian person, aren't I? I'm like, I'm, a pa- I'm an ordained pastor at this point, by the way. <laughs> I- I've been a pastor for many years. And so I'm, I'm taking it to another level. I'm at a PhD, and here's this guy. And this, this identity built on the flesh, it's about ego. Um, if you think this is the only place, oh, pastors, I'm just, you know, let me take you to another place in the Bible. This is from Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15. And Paul, this is the pattern of Paul. He tends to tell you something glorious of the gospel about Jesus and what, he, what God has done for us through Jesus. And then we get this new identity, and then he lays out what it looks like. And so in Colossians, this is how he puts it. So this passage says, this is how to be in step with the Spirit. But in Colossians, this is how he put it. And this is basically, notice how similar it is. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's who chosen ones are like. You're holy and you're loved. You're holy and beloved. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, this is what you put on. You put on compassionate hearts, kindness. Here's that word, humility, meekness, patience. And you bear one another. And if... if, if Someone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. You see it? You don't just forgive because I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian. I'm just going to forgive them. No, that's not going to work. You know why you forgive? Because of the gospel. Through Jesus, you have been forgiven. That's why we forgive. That's living in the spirit. That's living in your identity as a son and daughter of God. But 
Like those are these, these qual- humility, meekness, patience. Is, is that what they say at work? <laughs> you go to work. Humility, meekness, patience. Let's put on humility, meekness, and patience. Is that what they say at Google? <laughs> is that what they say at, at your company? I, I doubt it, right? Because that's not what we celebrate in our society. It's, it's, a, it's about me. It's an idea. It's, it's actually, I, I, it's, it's, we don't want to say this word, but we actually celebrate pride and ego. That's actually what we do. Build your identity on yourself and on your own glory. It's actually saying build up your ego. Be prideful. It's actually kind of what our, our, our society is saying. It's really kind of backwards, isn't it? I know they give lip service to humility, but, um, but they don't. <laughs> Nobody actually really, really, really celebrates it. Nobody said it better than, than, I've said it now in a number of different ways, but nobody said it better than this guy. This is C.S. Lewis, his most famous book, Mere Christianity, right? And, well, maybe it's his most famous book. May, may, might be Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, okay? <laughs> uh, at least among kids. But among adults, this seems to be the most famous book. And there's a, 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 a short chapter in the middle of this book called The Great Sin. And it's all about pride. And... Um, if you've never read this book, it's okay. Just, get, just, just read those few pages, okay? Get the book on Kindle and just read this one chapter. I promise you it's worth whatever you paid for the book and then some. I read this many years ago. I read it in college. It just completely blew me away. And I've been a Christian since I was 11 years old. I think I read this when I was about 21. So I, was about 10, I had been a Christian for 10 years. And I thought I was a good Christian, and I, I go out to church, and, 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 I'm, I'm a, and I pray, and I know my Bible, and I'm a, I'm a good Christian. And I read this thing, and it did this really weird thing. On the one hand, it felt like this light shed into my life in, in this secret that I didn't know that nobody taught me. It was incredible. Right? And then, on the other hand, what it did was it made me feel like I was this dirty little rat. Because <laughs> I realized for 10 years, even though I was a Christian, I was actually... Super prideful, very filled with me and ego. It's like not being a Christian, really being more like a rat, but in the name of Jesus. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> this is how um, C.S. Lewis puts it. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, in other words, sort of like the vice of all vices, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. That's how he talks. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. You wonder why Paul says, we must crucify the flesh. You know what's at the center of the flesh? It's the me, 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 the pride. It's the ego. That's at the center of the flesh, the identity we built on ourselves. Does this seem to you exaggerated? If so, then think it over. I pointed out a moment ago that the more pride one had, the more one disliked pride in others. See, it's your ego bumping against somebody somebody else's ego. Somebody else's ego bruises you, so then you want to bite them. In fact, if you want to find out how proud you are, the easiest way is to ask yourself, how much do I dislike it when other people snub me or refuse to 
take any notice of me or shove their oar in or patronize me or show off. You know, you know, be, or actually or show that you're smarter and more humble than you, than you, right? Oh, gosh, this guy's humbler and smarter than me. Darn it. What a jerk. I hate him. <laughs> Let's bite him. But on the outside, let's act like a good Christian. Okay? The point is that each person's pride is in competition with everyone else's pride. It is because I wanted to be the big noise at the party that I am so annoyed at someone else being the big noise or being the smart guy at this doctoral seminar. Right? Two of a trade never agree. Now, what you want to get clear is that pride is essentially competitive. It is competitive by its very nature, while all the other vices are competitive only, so to speak, by accident. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only having more of it than the next guy. I'll stop there. See, this is what it's like. Now, I'm going to, you know, this is such an insidious thing, this ego thing, this ego at least abiding. That's why it says don't devour each other. And at the end, it says, don't be conceited and provoking each other. Provoke. Bite. This is what we're like. If all you have is your own identity built on somebody else, that's the only way. Biting has to happen. There's no other way. I mean, uh, if, you, if ours is a society that prides itself on being very nice, we're nice. But, you know, there are other societies. Your ego comes up and bumps up against someone else. You know what happens right there? The guy will challenge you to a fight. Boom. I mean, like physical violence will start happening right there at that point. And, um, and if the guy, you know, so, so then, of course, so usually the clever guy can say meaner words, but then he's going to get his, his butt kicked, okay? And that's what happens, right? And, uh, and that's, but in our society, you know, we're, we're a little, you know, we, we, we pretend like we're nice on the outside. Oh, that, that dress looks so really good on you. If only your hair was just, just, just a little like this, then it would just be perfect, Okay, just that's the way we that's the way women talk to each other, you know, right? It's, it sounds like a compliment, <laughs> but they know that little comment about the hair is the way to stick the knife in the back, <laughs> right there, right? You ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. And and this isn't just there's a you know um, you know Keller, another deep person. He's read this too, and I can tell he's read this deeply. And I, I've read his comments on Lewis's commentary, which is his understanding of this. Okay, and Keller says it's not even just, there's, there's like two ways of the ego coming out. One is that I'm so great. But do you know that ego can come out the other way? I'm not so great. The, the other way your pride and ego comes out is in, in lots of insecurity. And so are you the kind of person that constantly feel like other people are biting you? That you're, 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 you're fearful and resentful of other people. So, and that's why you can't even go to church because, oh, there's all these like, hypocritical people at church and you know, they just look down upon me. I mean, like, I've heard that so many different times. And they go, but I'm not, I'm not prideful. I'm like, you're not? <laughs> you're not? There's a lot of very insecure people. And they don't think they're prideful, but they're very, very prideful because their identity is all built on them. It's on the flesh. And so when anybody else, they don't have enough in them. You know what real humility is? Real humility is not thinking less of yourself. Real humility is not thinking about yourself at all. Real humility is self-forgetfulness. It's not thinking, I'm great, nor I'm down here, so like, i got to be like, you know, afraid that somebody else is going to like, put me down or hurt me or look down upon me. Instead, it's like, 
You don't even worry about yourself. You're just there, and if somebody's smarter than you, are like, wow, that person is so smart. Cool. <laughs> oh, th- th- this, oh, she's so pretty. I, maybe she can show me how to do her hair the way I do it, and it'll do something for me. Instead of like, you know, I, don't, I hate her because she's prettier than me, right? And that, that's real humility is like that. It's self-forgetful. It's different. But how can you be self-forgetful if your life is built on just, it's on this glory? And that's why Paul says this thing, crucify the flesh with all its passions and desires. All the passions and desires I talked about last week, that epithemia, that's the, that, that bad stuff, it's all the desires that are all out of control. Guess what's driving all that? It's the ego, it's the, it's the pride. And that identity, that's why it has to die. <laughs> that's why it has to be crucified, and you can't do it. You need a savior to come in and let that, and kill that identity, so that this new, this, that's the, the greatest freedom, the greatest freedom is not from the government. You know the greatest freedom? It's from you. <laughs> This. The greatest freedom there is, is is from this. This need to, I'm so loud, or I'm so, no, it's just um, to be free. Self-forgetful. That humility is one of the greatest pieces of freedom. Let me go to part two. Um, Part two. How do you know if you're growing in humility, which is a really important sign that you're really growing in holiness? And I know holiness, oh, that seems like this religious word. Or how about just deep character? <laughs> that's almost like that's the only way we can kind of translate it in our secular society. You have a, a depth of character. And, of course, if you don't have humility, you can meet a person who's smart and all this stuff, but if they're in humility, you just, <laughs> they obviously don't have holiness. But it, it, it can't be just humility. I'm a humble person, but you have no, no love. <laughs> That's why it has to have all these qualities that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You have to have self-control when you're other people. The real acid test of whether you actually have holiness and there's holiness growing inside of you is your relationships. You don't do it by looking inside of you and going, okay, you know what, I go to church a lot and I'm, I'm, re- I'm feeling really good about me and God. That's how I know I'm growing. That's not how you can tell. You can't tell that. It isn't because you pray a lot. Okay, I'm growing in holiness because I pray a lot. No, that's not how it works. You know what the real acid test is? It's your relationships. The quality and depths of your relationships. Especially the people who know you the best. The, the, the people who know you even more. If those relationships, if you can't stand that person, if those relationships are breaking down, you're constantly fighting and, and that's... That's, 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 that's where holiness is failing right there. It, that's the feedback. And so, I know this is not easy. This is hard. Um, because the, if the central activity of being in, it's not, it, as, the, as the Bible says, is don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Just do whatever the heck I want to do. and Just build my identity on yourself. Use your freedom, which is real freedom, is this kind of humility, is the real freedom, then is to love. And what that means is to really connect and serve someone else. And can that, and if a relationship, the relationship is, do you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all this in yourself, and, but is it also happening in the relationship? See, because there's you, and there's some, maybe it's your wife, or it's your brother, or it's your coworker, or it's your boss, or it's your brother and sister at church. Right? And, and if 
There's, you think, I think I have some love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, but there's none in the other person. It's in the relationship it should be growing. See, holiness is like a living life, and it should be in, you can see it, you can evidence love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self, in the relationship itself. And if that's happening, then you know. Then you know that's where you're growing. Now, I want to give you some tips in this second portion, and before I move on to last, one, okay, for, one of the things is, Take a look at all your relationships, and especially, and not just the ones you have now, but maybe the ones you've had in the past. Do you have, are there any patterns? <laughs> Do you have any patterns as to why they don't work out, why they break down? That's a place where you probably need to grow in holiness. That's, or holiness is there. That holiness will heal that. <laughs> and so think, and take a think, and, and pray on, and, and um, allow yourself to look at that really honestly. And, uh, and maybe even ask some of your people, your, your people who know you to ask, like patterns they see. Maybe we're, we're all kind of blind because of our ego. That's one tip I'd like to offer you. Look at the patterns in your relationships. Um, a second a tip I want to offer you is that, you know, I'll plug it again. Sometimes you need help for someone else. This is like if you're growing in your identity, but then you, you feel stuck in your faith, then you need someone to come along. And this can be a good place you know, you could go to, you know, one of the pastors, and Pastor Young's very good at this, and you could share with him, you know, that's what I heard in the message, Pastor Young, but, like, here, this is the kind of the patterns of my relationships, and, but I don't know how to get past it. I have no clue how to get past this. What, what's wrong with me? Right? And um, maybe he can offer you some, some piece of wisdom to help you have a breakthrough and now there was like this weed that was like keeping the fruit of the spirit to grow. But now it like it can start to flourish again. And your life and your relationships, you'll change. You, you can really tell when it's happening. Because someone who knew you really well will say, well, what's going on with you? You're changing. <laughs> and they think it's for the better. And they think it's wonderful. That's how you, you can now, now you know holiness is happening. And so, and if not, maybe, you know, one of the pastors it doesn't have to be, it could be Pastor Young or me, or you, it could be just, how about just your brothers and sisters, someone who's close to you, and give them permission. <laughs> so try to be humble, <laughs> and then ask them to be gentle, but honest, and let them tell you, here are the patterns I see in you, in the relationships in your life, and that's what I notice about you. And, and then try to hear it. But here's, that's the first tip is, look, consider your patterns to Go to get some wise counsel to consider the patterns and maybe where your blockage of holiness could be. And the third one is, and this is important, the third one is you don't go by trying to fix yourself because you can't fix yourself. You know what? That old identity, you don't try to fix it. You know what you do? You try to kill it. (laughs) And the only way it can be killed is by receiving a new identity and living inside the new, to walk in the spirit, be in step with the spirit. And so to be in step with the spirit, I'll take you back to what, what I've been preaching the last few weeks. Go to the spirit, and then through the spirit, call out, Abba, Father. Talk to God about this. Father, this is, I, I don't know how to be your son. This is where I'm, I'm a terrible daughter, and this, and this, uh, this is why I'm breaking all these relationships, and I, I'm, I don't know, I, I have no clue how to do this. Would you help me? And trust and begin to go to a place of faith. It says that, you know, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh, crucified that old self-built identity, 
And you need God to do that for you. You need Jesus to come in, be your rescuer, to be your savior. And then he puts his spirit in you. And then, then the pride can go. And you can begin to live in blissful, wonderful, self-forgetful humility. Hmm. Let, me, let me close up my message this way. Um, let me close up my message. Well, let me say this one point, and then I'll close up my message. Are you growing in the spirit? Are you growing in holiness? Are your relationships filled with your humility and growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? It's all the same question. You hear that? Are you growing in your identity in Christ? Are you growing in holiness? Are your relationships advancing, filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control? It's all the same question. They, they, they sound like three or three, four separate questions, but really it's all the same thing coming out a different angle. You see it? So it's so how the relationship shows you where you are in your identity. Now, let me close out my message. How do we go there? Like I told you, it's not something you can do. You, like we, you can try to like, oh, kill, the, kill my pride. <laughs> right, okay, I'm going to just by, by self-discipline get rid of my pride. But, okay, that's not going to work. The pride's going to win. I'm going to come back like a vengeance, and the pride's going to win. You can't do it that way. You probably can't even do it yourself. In fact, you can't do it yourself. You need brothers and sisters. And then ultimately... You need a redeemer. Now, let me put it to you this way. Every identity has a well. Okay? You are who you are. I call it the well of the soul. Your, your soul has like a well in it. Um, Tim Keller, you know, this pastor I like to quote, he, 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 he talked about this thing called the emotional bank account. It's like you have an account. And except it's not filled with money, it's, it's filled with, you know, your, your, you have deep emotional security inside of you. That's your identity. So let, let's, let's, use the, let's use the bank account analogy. If, if you're, is your well or your bank account low? If it's low, then you'll be insecure and filled with pride because you've got to fill it yourself. Because you know what always happens? You're going to bump into other people, and they're going to put a bill on your well, on your bank account. That's what they are. When they insult you or snub you or they're just nicer than you. So they're actually just a better human being than you. And then guess what? That's, that's a challenge to your identity well. That's kind of what it's like. So imagine you have $20 in your identity bank account. And somebody comes along and snubs you, and that's like a $50 cost. And what are you going to do? That's going to, that's going to burn you up. Because you, you only have $20 in there and $20 worth of love and humility and somebody else comes along with a $50 insult and boom, it's like, oh gosh, how do you deal with this? And Because if it's low, if the, if, the, if the bank account, the emotional well is low, that's, all we have is our ego and then we're going to bite. But what if you had a million dollars in there? It's like a million dollars or a billion dollars in there. And so someone comes along with a $50 bill, a $50, like, I charge you $50 with this insult. Eh. Right? Then you're like, you don't, even, you don't even worry about the bank account. See, you don't, yourself can be forgotten because it's so full. And there's, this, there's this, a famous, there's a famous um, 
psalm. It's called Psalm 23. Maybe many of you know it. It starts off like this. Um, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not have any real lack. He leads me beside still waters and into the green pastures. That's how he talks about And there's this incredible, I, and I've, I've, I've thought about this. I love this one of my very, very, I know, I know it's very famous, but it's, my, it's probably right up there, my personal favorite psalm. And there's a place in there, and it's a tr- usually attributed to David, that says, when the Lord is my shepherd, my cup overflows. My cup runs over. The old King James, my cup runneth over. Right? Your cup, that's like the well of your soul. That's what he's talking about, that emotional bank account. It's your identity. It's you. And it has to be full. And in fact, when you know your identity, it, when the cup runs over, then that's when you can really forget about yourself. And you can be free. Forget about yourself and just pay attention. This person's really smart. Man, it's so great to be around a person as smart as this. I'm glad that guy is the fast person's on the team, right? She's so pretty. She's so elegant. Oh, my gosh, she's so elegant. She's not even pretty. She's elegant. And you mean, she's, she's humble and kind, too. Everybody loves her. I love her. Oh, my, instead of, like, hating her. And this is the way, this is, this is how we defeat envy. Because you can't just defeat envy. You have to defeat pride. And that means this fleshly identity built on me, it has to die. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to be the rescuer who would say, well, if you killed that identity, you would feel like you died, but how about if you die with me? You let that old self, prideful ego die. I will die, but then when I'm risen, it'll be gone. And then you rise with me. I'll give you a new identity. And where you fail and where you are guilty and where you're ashamed and where you're insecure, all that stuff can be burned away. His humility can burn away our ego. And his, his, uh, and his great gentleness can solve, could be the salve and the balm of all our wounds. And that's why Jesus came. And that's what the cross is for. That's what his resurrection is for. And you know what? What is this inside the well? You know, he doesn't put money in there. He doesn't even just put feelings in there. You know what he does? He actually puts God in there. That's what the Spirit is. The Spirit is what he pours into the well of your soul. And your Spirit flows out of you. And when you can live in that identity, that's the identity we live in as a son or a daughter, and then you call out to Jesus, Abba, Father. You turn to him consistently, keep living in that identity, and obey, seek obey that identity, then holiness will start to emerge out of you and all your relationships and things will change. I'm not talking about some heavenly thing in the future. I'm talking about today. Something beautiful and incredible will start to happen now and today when we live in this identity. Let's pray. Father, most of us are like orphans running around and we just think, just got to build my own life and get my own and build my own identity. And we're, but yet, we go out with our little meager pieces of glory that we're going to build our identity. And of course, other people will bump into us and we'll bite them because they'll bite us back. And this is all, this is life without you. <laughs> and there's so many people in our city, this is all the life that they have. And of course, 
Even there's lots of people who are sons and daughters of you, but they don't know how to live in this and be in step with the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, as they hear this message, you'd use my weak lips and they would see the deep truth about them, the light of the gospel, the incredible light of self-forgetful freedom would shine into them when they look at your glory, who you are, what you come to do for us through your death and resurrection and allow us to really have this new identity as a son, daughter of God, just like you, Jesus. Give us your spirit and let our fleshly me, me, me identity die and give us the great freedom, self-forgetful humility and give us love, joy, peace, self-control, patience and joy upon joy because of you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.